0: helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. Today's gospel comes from St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, There is a rich man who is dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with swords, Who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even though the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your last time you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. you may be seated. I don't know if you remember, but uh, when we started off this uh, church year, right? So uh, the lectionary year, there's three years in the lectionary. There's what is uh, creatively called year A, year B, and year C, right? They go with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Year A is Matthew, year B is Mark, year C is Luke, right? So each year we get one gospel, John is probably what you're thinking. What about John? Uh, is different than all the other Gospels, right? So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. Similar stories. John is interspersed between all of those other three years or all of those three Gospels. And so we don't have a year devoted to John. We get John every year sporadically mixed into it. But when we started the year of Luke, Does anyone remember what I said? If you don't want me to hear me preach about... Really? You know what? That bodes well. And I'm not surprised by any means. I don't remember what I say most weeks. But it bodes well because I am going to use some things that I used from a Thanksgiving Eve service last year also. So if you don't remember that, I'm good. I might just repeat last week's sermon. If you don't want to hear me preach about money don't come to church for the next year. Right? It is such a prominent theme throughout Luke, is what I said then. And I think if you've been with us uh, at any rate over the last month or two, you've really seen that come to play out uh, in these readings, right? If you don't want to hear me preach about money, then don't come to church. And really that's not just During this final last month or two, that should be any time, because it's such a prevalent part of our lives, uh, and we're here to talk about our lives, what we're (laughs) devoted to, what we're not devoted to, how those things mix in our lives. And this gospel puts it right up front. And not only this gospel, this first uh, passage that we had as well that comes from Amos, so as a little re- last week's Amos, an actual gospel message, had to do with how we earn our money. And the prophets of Amos were really calling out the people, "You are earning the money on the backs of the poor." You have gone from being the oppressors or being the oppressed in Egypt to now being the oppressors in the promised land. And you are abusing. Uh, The freedom that you have, the resources that you have, the gifts that you have. And some are doing so extremely well at the expense of others. And that's what Amos calls them out to. And Amos is really hard, uh, had a really hard job at the time. A little bit about Amos, again from last week. Amos is speaking at a time about 780, 760 or so BCE at the peak of the nation of Israel. They are in the promised land. They have never been stronger in their military. They have never been stronger in their economy. They have never been stronger in their geography. They are doing well. And it is into this time that the prophet Amos speaks that if you continue on this way, you are going to bring about your own destruction and not too much longer later about 722 is when the Assyrians come in and destroy at that time Israel is a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom the Assyrians come in and destroy that northern kingdom and then I think it's 567 BCE is when the Babylonians come in and then take over the Assyrians and destroy the southern kingdom which is also the temple in Jerusalem and you have what's called the Babylonian exile and what was once really uh, the nation of Israel is no more. The people are all spread out. Prophet and other Old Testament, Amos and other Old Testament prophets come to speak words of warning about how they are living and how it's going to bring about their own destruction. Does that make sense? Last week was how they have earned their money. This week now is about how they spent their money. Listen to these words again from Amos after you have a little bit of that background. Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion, that is Jerusalem, and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria, that's referring to the northern kingdom. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches, beds of ivory. Most people didn't have a bed, they slept on a mat. The wealthy had beds made of wood. The ultra-wealthy had beds with inlaid of ivory in the wood. Does that make sense? Right? And to those who eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall, meat is a delicacy. Who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp. Who, like David, improvise on instruments of music. Who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Joseph is symbolic of the twelve tribes, the nation of Israel, those who are in ruin, those who are choosing to be ignorant to those who are not doing so well. Therefore, they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. You were one of those well-to-dos back then. Do you like this passage? How about today? Do we feel any different about it? You can see how this passage goes with this passage from Luke about dangers of money. Now we get it from uh, this New Testament reading in Timothy that we have also. It's not the love. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. But wealth brings about it, inherent dangers, doesn't it? It does. It af- to think our wealth, our money, doesn't affect us is just wrong. It does. So I'm not here to say you can't have money. I'm here to say how do we let money affect us? How do, what do we do with our money, with our wealth, with our resources. With our resources. Because the whole thing in this gospel passage as well. You have a rich man, right? Notice the rich man doesn't have a name. The rich man, I think, really could be anybody. But he's clothed in fine robes of purple. Purple's a sign of royalty. So somebody well to do. He has a gate in front of his house. so he, right. I'm separating myself from the riffraff right he feasts sumptuously every day and that is said in comparison to Lazarus now this is a different Lazarus from the one who was raised from the dead but notice the poor here have a name it's specific it's personal and that makes a difference doesn't it when we just an idea we can keep it at a distance all of a sudden you put a face to it it changes it doesn't it you can't ignore it, but it's, it's real. Lazarus has a name, and it's compared with this rich man. The rich man, what's he clothed in, right? We said fine linens and royalty. What's Lazarus clothed in? Sores that are licked by dogs. You notice a difference? What does the rich man eat sumptuously every day? What does Lazarus eat? He just wants something. He just wants something. Trying to think of where I want to go with it. Sorry. (laughs) Dangers of wealth. And so this is some of what I want to use from uh, a Thanksgiving Eve service last year to show how it does affect us. Right? How we need to open our eyes to what's going on so we aren't like the rich man. Or we aren't like uh, those people that Amos is proclaiming to even though we are. Even though we are. Right? That's the thing. We are. There's studies been done. This was done at Berkeley out in California and they went out and studied What cars stopped for pedestrians trying to cross the street? And they looked at different kinds of cars, whether they were, I'm going to use the word, beaters, regular cars, luxury cars. You know which cars stopped the most? Beaters. You know which cars stopped the least? The luxury cars. Right? The luxury cars. Another study was done, I forget where this was done at, but people were told to wait in a room, in the middle of the room, there was a table and a chair and there was a bowl of candy. There was a sign by the bowl of candy that said, four children in the next study, right? So they had people come in and they knew uh, uh, demographically where they fell um, wealth-wise Some people took the candy at a higher rate than other people who took the candy at a higher rate. Who do you think took the candy at a higher rate? The wealthy. Who took the candy at a lower rate? The poor, right? This is one that got me also, I remember sharing it. Sorry if you remember these. I like to use them repeatedly because anybody need to hear things more than once to let it sink in, Right? There was a game of Monopoly being done, and it was rigged so that one person by random at the game was given more more money, more rolls of the dice, better odds of winning. Okay? Game was done. They asked those people who won, um, what enabled you to win? Those who had... The advantages at the beginning were the ones who were most likely to say they won based on pure skill. Right? They had the most advantages at the beginning of the game, and they were the ones to say they won by pure skill. That doesn't sound like our world at all today, does it? Why do we do these things? Why, when we are wealthy, do we not stop for those in the crosswalk? Why, when we are wealthy, do we take candy reserved for kids? Why, when we are given unfair advantages, do we claim credit for ourselves? I think it has to do with insecurity. What proves our worth? What says that I am enough? What makes me able to be loved? It is not what we have. Right? I love this passage from Timothy. You can't take it with you, can you? All right? We come into this world with nothing because we're going out with this world with nothing so what do we do with what we have while we are here we are called to be generous we are called to be loving because we have been generous too because you have been loved. and I struggle with this as much as anybody else right so I get to stand up here and I hope you don't feel like I'm waving my finger at you this way cuz I'm really doing this does that make sense I preach the words that I need to hear myself. What makes me worthy? What makes me lovable? I don't know if I've used this one before with you or not, but I got it from Stephen Bowman, who was worked for Churchwide, who was bishop in Metropolitan New York for many years. He's now doing, actually, uh, I just finished up work in Chicago here. It doesn't matter. But I heard him say this before to explain why you give. If your church were to receive a 25 million dollar gift where they could essentially not just survive but do really well just living off the earnest interest sorry just living off the interest what would happen to their giving? If giving would go down then the church doesn't know why they give. Does that make sense? If the giving would go down, then they don't know why they give. We give because we have first been given to. We love because we have first been loved. Yes, we need to turn on bills. Right? Pay bills to turn on the lights. Let's get that right. (laughs) Yes, we have things that need to happen. Right? And that's not why we give. That's what we do with what we receive. You see the difference? That's what we do with what we receive. But that's not why we give. We give partly just because we understand the temptation that money gives to us, does to us. Because it's addicting, isn't it? You get a little and what do you want? More. More. And again, it's not money in itself. is not bad. What does it do to us? And instead, we need to look at it. What do we do with it? Because of what has been done for us. Because what has been done to us. Because what has been done with us. Who you are is enough. Who you are is enough. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.